I'm wondering what one of the books that you have written for um, Choose Your Own Adventure specifically was your favorite? And then outside of Choose Your Own Adventure, what's your favorite piece that you've written outside of Choose Your Own Adventure? Well, uh, do you want for the first you, you choose your own adventure one? Sure. <laughs> okay. sure. Uh, you know. choose. <laughs> All around the limbo clock. Hey, let's limbo do clock? Limbo Rock. You don't know the song? I guess not. I mean, I haven't heard it since, like, grade school. Oh, my God. When's the last time you limboed? I guess the real question is, when's the last time I wanted to limbo? <laughs> Never. When have you ever been like, yes, I want to enter this limbo contest? How often does that happen, like a limbo contest? Just, like, break out and... No, not really frequently. Okay, fair enough. I don't go to a lot of, like, beach parties, though. I feel like it's a beach party thing, you know? Right. Mm. Like That's bullies kicking sand right. in your face. Yeah. All right. Well, beware and warning, and welcome, everybody, to Choose Your Own Book Club. This is a podcast all about the Choose Your Own Adventure books. So my name is Peter. I'm a librarian. My name is Abby. I am a librarian, too. Bring in the energy today. Mm, I'm saying it a different way. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. My name's Abby. I do what I want. <laughs> My name's Abby. I do that what I is, want. That is the most true <laughs> introduction you've ever done. True. Uh, so yeah, this is a uh, podcast all about the Choose Your Adventure books, but we didn't read a book today, <laughs> did we, Abby? I mean, I did read a book. I just didn't read... I choose oh. your own adventure book. I read a different book. Oh, I didn't read it at all. You didn't read any books <laughs> no. this week? No. What? None? <laughs> no. This is important. This is this is my my villain origin story. <laughs> is realizing that you don't read anything. I read these books. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fair. Uh so we started this podcast about a year ago. Yeah. Because we've always liked the Choose Your Own Adventure series. And we've always liked each other. More so the series than each other, <laughs> I feel. <laughs> I mean, tell I've me. I've always liked you. Well, that's on you. But. <laughs> <laughs> Hard truths today. Hard truths today. Choose your own fam. This might be an intro episode for some people. So I'm trying to. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Cut down the shenanigans. Okay, no more shenanigans. Well, I. I do a lot of shenanigans, though. Yes, this is an introduction is to me <laughs> as well. We'll live your truth, Abby. And I'm full of shenanigans. So basically, ever since we started the series, uh, started the show, we have tried to contact Edward Packard. He finally responded to one of our emails, and he was able to answer a couple questions, uh, some of them that you submitted through our uh, Instagram account. Yo. And then he was kind enough to actually come on to the show, and we did an interview with him uh, over Zoom, uh -huh. and that was amazing, too. So our interview is going to be in two parts. Uh, one will be the, uh, the, the questions and answers that he submitted. The other one will be the audio of us uh, interviewing him together uh -huh. over Zoom. 
Um, so there's going to be a little bit of carryover between the questions that he answered through email and some of the answers that he, uh, the, the questions that he answered over Zoom. But I think it kind of gives a, a kind of a well-rounded answer. Mm-hmm. Definitely. It was really cool to talk to him. It really was. So how about just uh, before we get into like the Like not question. to rub it into everyone else's faces <laughs> who didn't get to talk to him. It was cool for us. It was very cool. <laughs> it was, yeah, I mean, because we've interviewed authors yeah. and introduced authors uh, just through... Um, through work. Through work. They're being librarians. Yeah. And this was different. This was so much cooler, I, I, I feel, just because we've been following him for so long. And I feel like growing in appreciation mm-hmm. of these books. Definitely. It felt a little more fangirly for me. <laughs> I did ask him to adopt me. <laughs> you, you literally did. No shame. No shame. <laughs> no shame in my adoption game. <laughs> so, yeah, you'll hear that part in uh, towards the end of the episode. But first, just how about, just uh, before we get into the questions and answers, how about just a little bit of background on Edward Packard? Mm-hmm. Edward Packard was born 1931. Which is a long, long time ago. Well, yes. I mean, that's almost 100 years, man. Right, yeah. It's, and, yeah, the, the fact that he's still writing is, is mm-hmm. incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was a graduate of Princeton University and Columbia Law School. He was a lawyer, which you didn't know no. uh, prior to this. No. I was excited. I was going to ask him for some legal advice, but <laughs> on just everything. Okay. How many people can I sue? How much money can <laughs> I get out of them? I don't know. I don't know what kind of lawyer he was. No. So he was a lawyer, and then um, he. I think he got into writing kind of uh, in an odd way because he came up with the Choose Your Own Adventure series by coming up with stories for his daughters. He was trying to come up with interesting bedtime stories for his three children, Caroline, Andrea, and Wells. Um, so I, I guess they would come up with, like, the stories together. They would kind of, like, improv them almost, like kind of yes and each other. Mm-hmm. And I, I think because they would want to do different things, he kind of came up with the series uh, that way. There were previously kind of like what's known as game books prior to this. Um, where kind of like the, the Choose Your Own Adventure format um, has been done in different entities uh, throughout the years, but he kind of reached it independently, and obviously he grew to what it is today. Um, so, yeah, he wrote the first one in 1969, which was Sugarcane Island, and that was unpublished uh, until 1976, when uh, his publisher, who was R.A. Montgomery, published it, and then the two would later uh, take it to Bantam Books, the whole series, and they became, it, it became the Choose Your Own Adventure series that we know today. Mm-hmm. So how about let's get into the questions and answers. So again, we just, we talked to him a little bit about his background, the history of uh, Choose Your Own Adventure, um, just some kind of quirky things a little bit. We also asked him about Ari Montgomery, about the, the copyright too, mm-hmm. and he answered, surprisingly, he answered some of those questions. So how about, let's just get into it. So, like I said, these were the uh, questions that we submitted to him originally, and then he answered them over email. Um, so how about I'll ask you the questions, and then you'll just uh, answer them 
Not in his voice. Okay, <laughs> so okay. Don't do I was his voice. Say, can I do it in his voice? No, just do it like in your normal voice. Okay. And uh, yeah, so some of the questions uh, we we tried to give him as many questions as possible. Um, some of them he just answered kind of uh, quickly, and some of them he uh, you know chose not to answer at all because we we gave him so many questions. Um, so if your question wasn't on here, um, that's okay. I think there's a lot of other good. Uh, questions that he answered. So how about, let's just start with the first one. Um, so, Miss Sands 33 this is from our Instagram, Miss Sands 33 says, ask him about hyperspace cameo. Also, why was Dr. Nero Vivaldi the only reoccurring character? Edward Packard said, the idea of hyperspace was to have environments where extremely strange things happen, though they still have some kind of logic to them. Having me appear as a character fit in with the theme. So he was just having a little goofy fun time with it. <laughs> I love that. Oh, sweetie. And then for the Nera Vivaldi question, he said, as far as I can recall, each of my books stood alone. Nothing in any book was a continuation of what went on in a previous book. But after inventing Dr. Nera Vivaldi, an expert in interspecies communication, I thought it would be fun to have her reappear from time to time where she could fit into another book. And she reappears in multiple books. At, the, at least four. Yeah. But Nera Vivaldi isn't the only reoccurring character yeah. because you found there was a lawyer in both Mystery Chimney Rock. Yep. And what was the other one? Goo. <laughs> I can't remember, but That's it's okay. the same lawyer, yeah. Right. He just loves planting those little Easter eggs for us. So we He's have the OG Taylor Swift. <laughs> <gasps> oh my god. You need to calm down, Abby. <laughs> I'm the problem, it's me. <laughs> Go on. So yeah, we haven't gotten to hyperspace yet. I don't know what this cameo is, but it sounds kind of like Stephen King-esque where Stephen King put himself mm-hmm. in into one of his books at some point. Have some books... So here's his next question. Have some books been planned out and have others evolve more spontaneously. And Edward Packard said, yes. (laughs) I love it. Right. We love a succinct king. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, like he said, some of these he wanted to answer just more quickly than others and kind of go more in-depth into some of the questions. Yeah. Um, So that's all we got for for that question. But that's okay, because the next one is... uh, uh, kind of in the same vein. Mm-hmm. Um, so which books have been your favorite to write and why? And what, uh, which have been the most challenging to write? He said the most challenging. Who killed Harlow Thromby? Because writing a mystery, you have to give just the right sort of clues. So that solution doesn't seem arbitrary, but isn't too obvious either. I had a lot of trouble working this out, but finally hit on the idea of two people conspiring to do it. And I was wondering then, once I learned that he was a lawyer, if that helped him in writing that. Oh, interesting. I don't know. I don't know what kind of case law he did, you know? Right, exactly. But, you know, like a lot of the, like, mystery, like, good kind of court mystery ones Mm -hmm. are always, like, lawyers. They were really lawyers' books. Right. Yeah. Uh So, Um, so yeah, that that is an interesting theory. Mm -hmm. I will ask him when he becomes my grandpa, (laughs) (laughs) when he officially adopts me. (laughs) Please, Mr. Packard. So that was uh, Corey Barrett's question. Um, so mm-hmm. next question is, oh, and he does go into 
in the audio interview, he does go into which is his favorite a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So, um, so he'll he'll answer that question again in his own words. Um, so John Leatherman asks, why did the number of endings per book start to decline after Harlow Thrombey? Was there pressure to write the books quickly at the expense of more endings? Is there any book you wish you could add more ending to? And he said there's a trade-off involved here. If you have more endings, that may be fun, but it's at the expense of longer, more involved storylines. In my case, I didn't intentionally lower the number of endings. I just got interested in making the storylines longer and more complex and, to me, interesting. As a result, there got to be fewer endings, and even though there were as many words per book on average, there was more blank space than when there were more choices. To maintain the same number of pages in each book, Bantam inserted what I called arbitrary turn twos, where it would say turn two, e.g. page 57, even though there was no choice or feeding into another storyline on that page. I thought this was a bad idea and cheapened the series, but never complained to them. That is a super interesting answer because we've talked about Yes, and about how annoying it is. Yes, to be in a Mm storyline and then it kicks you to a different one and you're like, wait, where did this random person come from? Mm -hmm. So it sounds like it wasn't necessarily a Packard decision. No. It was more of a a publishing decision. Yes. I love that. Right. That's very interesting. It kind of clears something up a little bit. He spilled the tea. Yes, this... I think that the the answers only get more interesting mm-hmm. as we as we go on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, girl, I love it. So yeah, uh, the next uh, I think this is one of my questions. So how long would it take you to write a choose your own adventure in general? And he said about a month on average, but not working full time, and sometimes it would be part time, but stretching over longer periods. In the case of some books, some of the time was spent in travel or research. So he did do travel to write the books. Yeah, I guess. And the research bit is interesting, too, mm-hmm. because we just talked about survival at sea. Yeah. And how... Do you think he for real, like, <laughs> like I'm going to go find a storm in a uh, sailboat. And find a dinosaur. And find a dinosaur. <laughs> I'm going to look for a grotto. <laughs> no, but he probably, like, actually researched, like, a sailboat. Yeah. If he didn't already have that experience. So right. that's that's very interesting that they actually, you know, tried to make... At least some of them realistic. Yeah, he's a coastie, though, so he probably knows about that stuff. And I feel like, as opposed to other children's series, like, these weren't published like uh, Babysitter's Club, where there's, like, one every two months. Mm -hmm. So I feel like, at least in the beginning, or this is, I don't know if this is true or not, but it feels like they did take their time with them. Well, the fact that there were two authors, too, it was like, okay, well... Maybe Packard was taking more than, you know, a couple months because he and Montgomery were... Trading off. Trading off. Mm-hmm. Our next question is, I know you were a lawyer before being an author, like we discussed. Were you a lawyer the whole time you were writing Choose You an Adventure? He said, I quit as soon as it was safe to do so. Sooner, in fact. <laughs> I Which, love it. good for you, Mr. Packard. Yeah. Just living your truth and just following your dreams. Right. I mean, he like knew that it was a big deal. He knew right. it was a BFD. Well, he knew that it was that it had potential too because right. when he you know, he wrote the book, the, the first book in 69. Mm-hmm. And no one wanted it until 76 when Montgomery published it, but it didn't do the best. And so 
he wanted to shop around to other publishers because he just believed in it. Right. And he was right. Like, it, it blew up. And Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, like, when Peter and I were just coming in, we stopped at the front reference desk at my library here where we record, and one of my coworkers, who's a little older than us, had said when she was a children's librarian, these books just flew off the mm-hmm. shelf. And I was like, yeah, I mean, you're talking about people, me and Peter's age, mm-hmm. like checking these books off, flying off the shelf right. to people our age, mm-hmm. you know? And it's true. Like, yeah, they probably couldn't keep them on the shelves because of us. So, yeah, this next question I wanted to talk to you a little bit about. Um, <laughs> uh, so uh, this is another question of mine. There is a lot of child endangerment in the series. Do you think Choose Your Own Adventure could be written today? And so I know that there are Choose Your Own Adventure <laughs> books still, like new yeah. books that are being published. Mm-hmm. But could the, my, my question was more, could you write the old ones today? Yeah. So what did he write? He said you could probably tell better than I could because I'm not in close touch with the parents slash schools slash culture. Right. So he didn't really know the answer. He and punted. Who, yeah, but <laughs> who really knows the answer? So that's yeah. something I kind of want to talk to you about. Like, right. what do you do you think you could publish these books today? Would they get canceled? Well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that's the correct word. No, not really. Um, I don't think so. You know, I think I think there's like an element to it that like we as adults look at and like can giggle about, mm-hmm. right? But I think um, kids don't really see it that way. Right. You know, mm-hmm. like when I'm reading these with um, my my youngest, who's nine, he'll be 10 this year. He's in fourth grade. Like he, of course, now looks at them and thinks like, oh, ha ha. Of course, I'm going to drive this car. I'm a nine year old child. <laughs> But he thinks that because he's so used to listening to us make these jokes about oh, sure. it, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think that he would, like, that would even cross his mind mm-hmm. if it weren't for us. Because as a kid, it did not cross my mind. Yeah, sure. You know? And I think that's very much the same. But I do think, like, as a parent, um, we're just parenting in a really different time where, like, you know, when I was a kid in the 90s, it's like, you know, you leave in the morning and you don't come back to your house until mm-hmm. dinner time. And I don't know what my mom did all day. <laughs> I don't oh, sure. know. Um, do you know what your mom did while you were gone all day if you left the house? I don't know. I was at the pool or the park or a different kid's house. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I don't know. I rode my bike all over the darn place. I went to like went weird random like construction sites and just like messed around like <laughs> throwing rocks mm-hmm. into the quarries and it was stuff. a different time yeah yeah like i don't know man i would not let my kid do that now i gotta know where they are mm-hmm. it's just so different you know even like i was talking to a friend about like sleepovers and stuff it's it's just such a different hmm. time like i was always at someone else's house or they were at my house mm-hmm. and it's just there's more, um, like, more caution, I think, for kids, hmm. you know? Um, we Like, we, of course, want our kids to experience life and friendship and um, build resilience and things like that, which I think 
<laughs> the choose your own adventure books definitely are about mm-hmm. like resilience and, and choices and things like that. But um, but we also want to make sure our kids are um, protected and know that they're loved and cared for and stuff. And so, um, I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. <laughs> I feel, I mean, it's... So, yeah, could you publish these the old books today um, because to a modern Because there's no audience? parent, you know. Right, there's there no is parent no parent, checking yes. in on this kid. Um, I feel that... You know, I think you would have to get rid of some of the more graphic deaths. Mm. Like there's like drowning and there's suffocation. Mm -hmm. And it's the details are a little bit too graphic, I think, for kids nowadays. Sometimes, yeah. Um, And I think you'd have to add in some elements, too, of like the parents potentially checking in and things like that to make (laughs) it realistic. That's true. Mm -hmm. Think about like Alvin Ho, like that book series. Mm. There's like one series where he like he gets chicken pox and has to stay home, like one book in that series. And like a lot of kids are vaccinated against chicken pox. Yes. They will never get it. And Mm -hmm. they won't be able to like read that book and share that experience. Mm -hmm. So like that is such a foreign concept to them that that they don't get it. You know? Well, sure. Okay. And also, there's no like, there's no cell phones in these books either. Right. I mean, they they try in the Montgomery re-releases. They try to like right. add technology, they, like shoehorn it in. Yeah, but it, it is shoehorned. You're right. Yeah. So like, I think if you were to like publish these now, you would have to, I mean, have some kind of elements of like, you know, mm-hmm. parental supervision in some cases, or mm-hmm. adult supervision, or something, because that's just like such a like omnipresence in these kids lives nowadays you could yeah (laughs) for me I was like yeah I could run around all day I could go to a different country my mom wouldn't even know (laughs) (laughs) well I think that that was going to go to another uh, point I was going to make is that it's interesting and kind of satisfying that Packard and Montgomery they kind of trust you with these choices Mm -hmm. that even though you're a kid and you can never make the 99% of the choices you'll never be able to make. Oh, yeah, not not in real life, no. But they kind of trust you with adventure and they they trust you to kind of get into crazy situations with consequences, but in in the safety of a book. Right. And then they're like, if you actually are ever faced in real life with this situation, now you know what to do, babe. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I, so I guess I would answer that question. I think some of the endings would have to be edited a little bit mm-hmm. just to kind of soften some of the more gruesome deaths. But I, 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 I still think they're fun. I still yeah. think they're, they're kid appropriate. For sure. I think, <laughs> I think that it would have to have some, yeah, some uh, little tailoring yeah. for the kids to be able to be like, yeah, this is plausible. Yeah, but that, that's just our <laughs> opinion, I suppose. Yeah. Um, so I would love to have uh, everyone else's opinion right into us. Let us know what you think. Yeah, Gmail. Sure. Gmail or you can go onto our Instagram. Yep. So next question is, what's the weirdest ending you remember writing for Choose You an Adventure? <laughs> Not necessarily the weirdest, but the weirdest that comes to my mind right now is the non-ending in Sugarcane Island where you reach a place where time goes in a circle the page you turn to is a page and place and situation you've experienced before, and your adventure is circular and never ends. 
which we haven't gotten to Sugarcane Island no. yet. That was re-released as number like 76, I think, Ooh. or in the 70s. So it's going to be okay. a while until we get there. Yeah. But I do remember um, we did Give Yourself Goosebumps. Mm-hmm. And Stein kind of had a similar idea. Yeah. Where like I think you're in a hall of mirrors and like you, you're constantly flipping back and forth because yep. you're stuck. Yeah. Time So trap. yeah, that's a, a kind of an interesting mechanic because again, you're these are books, but they're also games. So you're not only a writer, you're like a like a like a dungeon master almost. <laughs> yeah. Basically. Essentially. So that kind of leads well into the next question, which is um, uh, an- another question I asked was: I noticed you playing with the format in the early books, like Harlow Thrombey, is very different from the other books uh, because again, there's there's so many different choices you can make. You can like interview different people, and at the end, like we discussed, there's kind of this big long list of things you can do and if you found other clues you can uh, you know go you're supposed to go to different pages or not um and also uh, to to follow up on that question inside uf 5440 has the ending you can't get to by looking at other page numbers so can you reflect on experimenting with the format like that when do you think you really got it down I love this answer. (laughs) Ideas for such things just pop into my mind. I can't order them up. They arrive unannounced, so to speak. That is a frustrating answer. (laughs) But that's I I think that kind of speaks to Packard in that he Mm -hmm. was just kind of wired like that. Or he is wired like that. Right. I think that's like evidence of a very creative mind, though. Things just pop into your head. But that he can... Do both. Right. Both make it uh, a game and a book. Mm-hmm. And do both so well is, is just, it speaks to these books, I feel. Right. That's why I think his books are so, so much more elegant. Right. And because I think that's one of the failings of Montgomery a, mm-hmm. a little bit is that sometimes he focuses a little bit too much on the game aspect or the book aspect. And he doesn't get the balance as well as mm-hmm. Packard does. No nuance. Yes. And Packard kind of nailed it. Mm-hmm. it. It seems kind of right out of the gate, too. Mm-hmm. And That's because he's the, he's the OG. <laughs> he's the originator, baby. So uh, I think that that gets into the next question a little bit. So I preface these questions by saying, hey, these are going to be a little bit more personal. We want to talk a little bit more about the cancellation. You do not have to answer these questions at all. And surprisingly... And thankfully, he did talk a little bit about them. Mm-hmm. And so he'll get into it a little bit more in our in our audio interview. Uh, but yeah, here's uh, some of the... We, so we asked him about the, the copyright. We asked him about Montgomery a little bit. Um, so here we go. Can you talk about the cancellation of Choose Your Own Adventure? Any feelings you had at the time? I know that Ari Montgomery bought the rights to the branding after the cancellation. Were you aware of that at the time? I think you retained all of your copyrights to your own books. So what did moving forward look like for you? He said, I was surprised that Random House, which had acquired Bantam by that time, would let go of the trademark. If they sold it to Montgomery, why didn't they give me a chance to bid on it? I might have bid higher. Or did they just abandon it and tell him that's what they were doing? I suspect that someone at Random House wasn't acting in the best interests of Random House, but how it happened is a mystery to me. Again, I don't want to get too much into it for 
legal reasons. Right. But in every uh, interview or every expose about the Choose Your Own Adventure books, I always found it interesting that they, it's always about, hey, these two authors created this big empire of books and one of them ended up with it. Mm-hmm. And that's it. So I'm glad that he kind of shed some light on this a little bit. Yeah. It's really interesting, though, because it would be it would be really interesting to see Random House's um, Random House's side of things, you know? Yes. I would love to hear their uh, thoughts. Random House, hit, hit us up. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can't ask Montgomery now, unfortunately. I think he, he died in the, the yeah. 2000s. He did pass. But perhaps we could reach out to a Choose Your Adventure representative at some point and yeah. and uh, go from there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so to follow up on that, we asked him about Ari Montgomery. Um, so since we mentioned him, what do you think of Ari Montgomery's books in general? They are definitely more sci-fi heavy and a bit more absurd. So uh, what were your thoughts at the time? And here was his answer, which I thought was great. He said, I never read more than a few pages of anything he wrote. We were on different wavelengths. <laughs> and I, that's very true. I think so, yeah. Their books are very, very different. Yes. But I think that that goes to I, something that we kind of pointed out in one of our earlier episodes is that they didn't seem to, they seemed to work okay together, but they didn't seem like the best of buds. No, they didn't seem like they were coordinating mm-hmm. at all. Right, and that's kind of evident in like, uh, in the early run, there was a, a space book by Montgomery followed up by another space book by Packard. Yeah, that were so close together that it was like they were probably writing them simultaneously. Yes. Uh-huh. So, yeah. But they were so, like, different in kind of tone yes. mm-hmm. and texture that it's, yeah. So it didn't seem like there was a whole lot of... Uh, correlation or coordination between the two. No. Um, I remember I, I read an interview with Packard uh, a couple that was published a couple years ago and basically it sounds like Montgomery just uh, asked Packard, hey, how do you map these out? And Packard showed him and then it seems like the two never really talked that much. Well, I, I again, I don't 100% know, mm-hmm. but it, it doesn't sound like they coordinated beyond that. Yeah. Which I guess is kind of like, I mean, everybody has that at work and stuff. I mean, I have a pro- like processes that I use, mm-hmm. and then it's like, oh, this is how I do things. And then other people have their own process, right. too. Mm-hmm. Just because it works well for me doesn't mean it works well for everybody. Oh, so the next question was about his Choose Your Own Adventure books. Um, so I wrote, I know you have re-released some of the books under the You Ventures series. So for those that don't know, You Ventures was... Uh, they tried to kind of relaunch some of the Edward Packard books with some edits similar to the re-release of the Choose You an Adventure books mm-hmm. that uh, Ari Montgomery did. So I think You You Ventures was only like three or four books, but it doesn't sound like they sold the best because the branding is everything. Yeah. Um, so they didn't sell the best. Um, so I asked them about the You Ventures series. And I wrote, would you ever release them under the Choose Your Adventure uh, book series if given the opportunity? He said, I expanded and revised three of my Choose Your Own Adventure books for the U Ventures edition. They were better than the originals. 
but didn't sell well because they didn't have the CYOA trademark, which I am not allowed to use. For anyone interested, see CYOA history on my website, edwardpackard.com. Yeah, so, so he mentions the history a little bit in the audio interview, yeah. which we'll get to in a little bit. Mm-hmm. So here's the, the last question was, you've clearly encouraged and inspired an entire generation of readers. Now that most of them are older, our age, uh, do you have any words of insight for them? Mm-hmm. I suggest that anyone interested in my thinking about how to live, take a look at my essay, The View from 92, on my website, edwardpackard.com. Best wishes. So, Edward. (laughs) So yeah, The View from 92 is about a seven-page essay that he wrote. But I love his daily blog (laughs) where he talks about how much he doesn't like Donald Trump. That's (laughs) my boy. That's why I said adopt me. So we read through his essay really quick. Um, One of the the lines that uh, stood out to me was um, it's under the heading called Sleepwalking self-deception. So sleepwalkers are people who proceed through the day as if it is on autopilot. Thoughts pass through their minds, but they fail to consider their import, implications, and likely consequences. Choose your own adventure. I spend, I spent most of my life sleepwalking, and I know all about it. When you are sleepwalking, you fail to consider what the purpose is of what you're doing and how your actions and failure to act will affect you and how it will affect others and how they may react to your behavior. Sleepwalkers can go off the rails and stay there unless they luckily stumble back on track. Hmm. True. That is true. Yeah, I do. Th- I've been reading a lot lately about like community care, right? And how. Well, that's part of your job. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm an outreach librarian, mm-hmm. so my job is, you know, reaching out to the community and trying to engage people and bring them into the library and make sure that we're building the community, right? And not just like every man is an island kind mm-hmm. of thinking. But I do really feel like that kind of individualistic thinking that everyone has, that like sleepwalking kind of, mm-hmm. we're just so built to work against each other and we have been for so long in this like country that we've turned away from community care and helping other people and thinking about how our actions impact others and um and really it's it's uh important for us to work together and and think about others and and help other people <laughs> like right really mm-hmm. and Really, it's like, man, with the Choose Your Own Adventure books, it's like you can make selfish choices. Yes. You can. Mm-hmm. But it, oftentimes it's like making um, bold and helpful choices. And mm-hmm. um, and sometimes even in the books, those don't work out. No, it's true. Because that it's true of real life, too. Mm-hmm. But, um, but, yeah. We I was try. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> of course. You, yeah, of course you need to try. I was thinking about the books, too, in kind of a philosophical sense in that as a kid uh, we, we talked about this so many times but as a kid like I would you know have to put bookmarks into the different choices mm-hmm. as I went on because I didn't want to miss anything and I was kind of scared of what was going to happen but maybe scared is too strong of a word but I, I just wanted to get the right ending right and of course, th- these books are games. These are books are supposed to be for fun, but 
that's not necessarily a way to live life. Right. No. That you kind of just have to make a choice. And just go with it. And stick with it and accept it. Right. That's true. I still do that now with these books because just because of the podcast. But I think just in general, it's just it's good just to kind of let go. Yeah. And keep going. And I think that's that's partially also what he's talking about in mm-hmm. that. And For sure. So I would uh, recommend checking it out. Or just check out his blog in general. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. if you want to listen to a like a 90-some-year-old guy just rail against conservative politics, <laughs> that blog is for you. And for me, frankly, I am into it. <laughs> Love it. So that was the email interview, but like we stated in the, in the beginning of the podcast, he was also kind enough to hop on Zoom for a little bit. And uh, originally I just said, hey, just come on and say hi, and we just want to thank you for the books. But he answered uh, some extra questions, uh, some of the questions he already answered in the email, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, he kind of reiterates some of his answers or kind of uh, goes into his answers a little bit uh, in more in depth. Yeah. And, yeah, some of the questions uh, are completely brand new. So, um, yeah, how about give it a listen? Yeah. So, uh, thank you for joining us, Mr. Packard. Well, I'm, I'm pleased to do it. Uh, I, I, I already answered some questions, but if you have any other questions, uh, let them fly. Sure. Well, I guess, uh, well, we've. Uh, been wondering, I suppose, what have you been up to since um, the the main Choose Your Own Adventures uh, ended? Well, I wrote several books. I, I decided to, you know, I didn't had enough of that, so I wrote some books uh, that got. I had three books that got published, uh, but they didn't uh, sell anything like Choose Your Own Adventure, of course. Uh, and then. Uh, I had quite a, a long period where I couldn't get anything published. My uh, my agents and I have a very good relationship, but she, we're not on the same wavelength as far as literary uh, matters are concerned. Uh, I, did, I did do the three U Ventures books with yes. Simon Schuster. And U Ventures uh, were the republishing of the... Yeah, yeah. Even though I expanded and improved them because my writing has gotten better, uh, they didn't sell because they didn't have the trademark. Of course. Uh, so they were. Uh, everything works according to algorithms and so forth, as you know. So um, then uh, I recently wrote a novel, but my agent didn't like that. So I'm I'm. Uh, trying to convert it into a uh, movie. It's a space oh. adventure, and it would be very good for a movie. And uh, uh, <laughs> my, my, I had an interesting development last summer. My grandson, David Cornsweet, got invited to be Superman. And so he's going to be making this new Superman movie. And uh, he Whoa. might be able to put my movie idea in front of somebody significant. So, Are you serious? Oh wow! Uh, the motivation, and uh, then uh, the this past year, I wrote a a, book, a short book uh, titled "Imagine: Colon Fifty Nine Thought Experiments That Tell You How You Think," 
And my agent didn't like that one either, but some <laughs> other people have liked it a lot. But unfortunately, they're not agents or editors for big publishing companies. Mm -hmm. So I'm actually going to post that on my website uh, for, for downloading for anyone who wants to look at it. Because you're, you're very active on your website. Yeah, yeah. It should be that should be up by next uh, weekend, by a week from today. If anybody's interested, they can check my website a week from today and see if uh, if this is available. And it's uh, each thought experiment is about uh, they they range from one to four pages. So, and there are fifty nine of them. So the book has the advantage of. Uh, if there's some topic you're not interested in, you don't you can just skip over it. That you don't have to read it sequentially. And there's a little some echoes of choose your own adventure in that in that book. In oh, fact, one thought experiment where it gives you a choice and you can turn to two two different pages. So that's my uh, my little bit of nostalgia there. <laughs> well, I know the story is that you kind of came up with the idea of choose your own adventure by reading to your, your daughters, was it correct? Yeah. Um, so did you come up with that thought independently or were you inspired by, by anything else? Well, I, I was, as far as the, the substance of the story, I was a little inspired to some degree by books that I had really liked a lot when I was a kid. Uh, and oh, like, was, like what? The books were uh, Treasure Island by oh, of course. Uh, Stevenson and, and Robinson Crusoe, where you get uh, stuck on a, uh, on a mysterious island. Mm -hmm. And uh, so making up stories, I, I, I thought of, you know, something like Robinson Crusoe, where you're, you're shipwrecked or you, you are not shipwrecked. And he, and he was shipwrecked mm -hmm. and his, uh, he was the only survivor, but he still had the ship nearby but in my story you're swept off a boat off ship by a, a big wave so you're you're washed up on this beach and uh, so that seemed like a good setting to make up a story about what would happen to you then so it was tr really accidental i i said uh, you know well what what should you do here walk along the beach or climb up the rocky hill and uh, so I've, <laughs> it occurred to me that if I'd been a really better storyteller, I would have thought it up what to do by myself. <laughs> I said, what would you do? Mm -hmm. And uh, got different answers. And so that, that was commuting on the train to New York from Connecticut then. And so I had a little, little bit of time and I just started writing it with the branching story. So uh, that's how it happened. And I kept wondering, why hasn't anybody done this before? Uh, may, may, uh, but uh, then I found people, The the I, I was able to get it. I had a, mutual, a friend who had a friend who was an agent, and uh, he showed it to several publish, major publishers. Mm -hmm. They turned it down. Of course. So it sat in the desk drawer for a few years, but then uh, fortunately it got it got it published at the Vermont Crossroads Press with Ray Montgomery, and of course. that's how it started. Yeah, my biggest know? question, Peter, sorry, is, oh, I guess, um, okay. being like the originator of this format, how does it feel to have had so many people now who have replicated the format? Because, of course, you know, Choose Your Own Adventure is like 
the big name in the game, but there are a lot of offshoots and similar brands, um, you know, the U2s and other ones like that. Peter and I, obviously both librarians, we're familiar with lots of other Mm -hmm. um, option kind of books like this. How does it feel to be like, everyone is kind of like, oh my gosh, we're doing the same kind of thing because it's so popular. You created your own genre, basically. You made the genre. (laughs) Yeah, if I hadn't been brain dead, uh, at the time, I would have I would have thought of it. Actually, that the the way I titled the book at first was the Adventures of You. Yes, and so it was like the Adventures of You on Sugarcane Island, and each one mm-hmm. would be the Adventures of You, and that's how the very first book was published. But then, uh, actually, the first contract I had was before Bannum started Choose Your Own Adventure, and this is all uh, on my website. I have uh, a brief history of. Uh, Choose Your Adventure, and uh, it was I got two books published by Lippincott, and they actually used that phrase, mm-hmm. but they they were brain dead too because they didn't trademark it. I didn't trademark it, and then uh, Bannum thought thought which they wanted to go after it big, and uh, Lippincott, which had published it for the for my first two, and thought up the idea, the name of Choose Your Adventure. They didn't. Uh, they they didn't pursue it. They just were very sleepy. But Bannum went all, uh, took hold of it, and the, and uh, uh, the editor there it's, it was written up in the New York Times that she uh, Joelle Del Borgo uh, really liked it. My my the agent that Bray had gotten brought it to her, and she talked the president of Bannum into going big on it. And really making a big series of it and, and uh, sending out copies to everybody. And so it took off and that, and they owned the trademark. And then later they got bought by Random House. And as I mentioned in uh, answer to the letter, uh, when Random House like uh, finished with the series and wound it down, instead of keeping the trademark, they let it go and, it, and uh, Ray Montgomery got it. Yes. And how he got it, I don't know, but he got it. And uh, I wasn't, I was, I was totally focused on other stuff at that point. And uh, so that's how uh, I don't have any right to use the trademark. So as to your question, uh, yeah, well, it would have been nice if I, uh, if I had uh, thought of the trademark and controlled it and so forth. And and you can't copyright the idea choose your own adventure so anyway, right. do that and but the trademark became very important uh and uh they've uh raised company choose co ray died yes. but his uh widow took it over i guess i don't know uh i, th- I think she's in charge of it um yes, sharon gillam they, they 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 have made great things of it well as far as my feelings are concerned i'm i feel very lucky that i you know uh accomplished what I did and uh I it would be very foolish for me to be anguished about about what happened with the choose your own adventure trademark and also I'm interested in in other things and of course uh, I, that that phase is over over and exploring other activities when did you realize it had gotten so huge was there a particular instance where you realized yeah, well, uh uh, yeah, there was <laughs> uh, right out. Of course, Bannon was trying to publicize it, 
And uh, right after, soon after it got published, the New York Times had a, had a culture uh, reporter, editor, who based in Los Angeles, named Algene Har Harmetz, I think her name was. And one day her daughter came home and said, Mom, you should look at this. This is really cool. Well, this, led, this is sort of culture. So it led to a big spread article in the New York Times. And Bannum was uh, publicity department working around. And so that was a help. But then the Bannum got me on the Today Show. In those yeah. days, the Today Show, MBC, was the biggest morning show. And uh, I don't know if you, you probably, you, whether you're old enough to have ever seen it when it had Jane Pauley and Bryant Gumbel on it, but it, that was it was very pop. So I got on that, and they interviewed me and so forth. And I think uh, from then on, it just that gave it a tremendous jolt, and it it, it, got, it got rolling from there. Awesome. Um, I'm wondering what one of the books that you have written for um, Choose Your Own Adventure specifically was your favorite. And then outside of Choose Your Own Adventure, what's your favorite piece that you've written outside of Choose Your Own Adventure? Well, uh, do you want for the first you, you choose your own adventure one? <laughs> okay. Sure. Uh, you know. choose. <laughs> I, really, I really don't think I have a favorite. I, I have the nostalgic feeling about Sugarcane Island was the first mm -hmm. one. The first one, yes. And then uh, The Cave of Time, which is the first book in the series. Mm -hmm. Uh, my daughter Andrea thought up the idea for that, and uh, I oh. wanted a time machine type book. But let's not use a time machine. Can't we think of some other way to get to different times? And she said, "How, how about a cave where there are various tunnels leading from?" And so it was. It was like a time machine, but a different device for getting to different times. And so I like that one. And then the ones where I thought up weird ideas like uh ufo 5440 was it where oh, i love where, that one yeah where you the plant, get the ultimate <laughs> but there's no way to get there and i then, love that one <laughs> yeah <laughs> and, and so anytime you think of something like that that's fresh and new it, it's very uplifting on <laughs> mm -hmm. hyperspace where i it was a character that came on the scene for a while so those are the ones I like. As far as ones I, uh, books I like outside of Choose Your Own Adventure, the, the first book I wrote after uh, after I wasn't writing the Choose books, this was in the 90s, was a book of, I, I've always liked the space stuff and universe and astronomy. And so this one was called uh, Imagining the Universe. And it was trying to uh, show illustrations that showed the scale of things. And so the cover was a picture of the earth, you know, that famous earth picture from space. So it okay. looks like down at sitting in Candlestick Park and where, if it were reduced to that side, Candlestick Park was then, it subsequently was named Three Com Park or something in San Francisco. Anyways, a, baseball stadium and, and that it was uh, there it was sitting and so the question was where would the moon be if uh and it, the moon was about 30 miles away as i recall anyways so anyway 
it, I tried to do that with different pictures and different illustrations of planets and things show relative sizes. And uh, that uh, that got got published and it uh, got a Scientific American Book Award and uh, it uh, was mentioned uh, on NPR as one of the best science books of the year. But but uh, the the publisher, in my opinion, didn't didn't market it very well, and they they put on a a, a subtitle I didn't like without my permission. So anyway, that didn't that didn't fly. Uh, most books don't, you know. The, sure. the, the for all the books that are, the publishers make their money on the ones that really take off. Uh, mm -hmm. Of course, I've been very lucky with Choose Your Own Adventure that that was in that category, but. Uh, uh, this one, this one didn't. And then I did an educational book called Big Numbers. And that uh, also trying to show uh, how, if, if if something increases exponentially, how, how, how much, what visually it's like. So I did that with peas, uh, you know, with one pea and then 10 peas on a plate. And so finally the peas fill up all the whole house and then they're covering the whole <laughs> as I go to bigger and bigger numbers. That was, fun. so I've had a lot of fun with these books, but I've never, never had anything really take off the way the, the choose books did. And, but uh, very few things do, so. Right. Or, I mean, that's very like few a things global do. phenomenon. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I have a, a little trouble hearing, especially, uh, could you say that again? Oh, I, I said very few things do take off the way that uh, Choose Your yeah. Adventures do. Yeah. Anyway, uh, 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 my mind is still churning, as you'll see if you look at uh, at Imagine 59 Thought Experiments uh, when, when, it, when it gets on my website. Yeah, well, your website is so great. We're just, we were just talking about it yesterday, me and Abby about we're just so glad that you're still writing every single day, even if it's just your thoughts about the news or yeah. your thoughts on um, just the yeah. day's events. Yeah, well, I started this uh, daily blog uh, because uh, I have a friend who's, who keeps a journal every day. You know, he writes down stuff and mm -hmm. he he's, has now about five volumes of of <laughs> three or 4,000 words. Uh, of his journal and 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 I I recommend younger people to keep a journal, uh, even though I don't do it myself, uh, because it helps you know what you think and make keeps a record of what you're, you're doing and what you what was absorbing you. Anyway, so this daily blog I thought I would do that too, and I didn't particularly want to get on on politics, but uh, I was inspired by Trump. <laughs> <laughs> to, and so uh i'm i decided well i'm gonna keep it up through through the election this year sure uh, in my anti-trump blog uh and then i hope to write about other things <laughs> no i i support you writing about that that is <laughs> i was like adopt me <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure there's some some of my old fans probably say don't like my my uh, my writing, but uh, uh, others do. <laughs> exactly.
You may lose some, but you might gain others. That's what I always yeah, think. And, and also, I'm at this stage where you know I'm not trying to make. I'm I'm not trying to be commercially successful. I'm just trying to say what I think. And sure, right, uh, also, but it is good stimuli when you get to be my age. It's very good to keep your mind working on things, and uh, it makes a huge difference in your mental capacity. If, if you're just like. Mo Physically, you know, you've got to exercise. Yeah. You got to, I think you have to exercise your brain too. Of course. Well, we want to thank you so much, uh, Mr. Packer, for, for coming on. Um, okay. Yeah, we, we really appreciate your time. We we love the books so much. Um, this started off just kind of as a, a fun project, but just as we've gotten, uh, deeper and deeper into the books we've just really come to just really appreciate what you what you made okay well thank you it's been a pleasure talking to you both well yeah, yeah thank you so much for your time okay good luck it was so nice meeting you thank you thank you a huge too. honor thank you bye-bye okay. so yeah we recorded that last week um since then um we went back on his blog and he has published his latest book it's called 59 thought experiments mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it's on his, it, like I said, it's on his blog. It's 141 pages. Um, what a rock star. <laughs> just to be like, I just want to write. And if I don't make any money off of it, that's fine. I just want to yeah. create. I just. And if all of our listeners just go and read his book right mm -hmm. now, it's the same basic length as most of our mm -hmm. Choose Your Own Adventure books frankly. That is true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just go read it. He'll be very happy. Mm -hmm. Do you want to make Edward Packard happy? I do. <laughs> Let's all go download his book. Well, he also said that there's some kind of choose your own adventure. Uh, elements? Yes. Thank you. There's some choose your own adventure elements in his new book. Um, yeah. So yeah. How about, uh, yeah, go to his blog. It's, it's really easy to get to edwardpackard.com and yeah, just read his free book. Yeah. Do it. Do it for Edward Packard, my grandpa, <laughs> my, my new grandpa. Before we end today, mm -hmm. I, I kind of want to end on uh, a, a Choose Your Own Adventure book um, because we, we've talked about these books for almost a year now. Yeah. And we talk about how they're weird. We talk about how they're crazy, talk about how they're funny, mm -hmm. um, talk about how they don't make sense. Yep. We rarely talk about how well they're written. Yeah. Um, and so I wanted to go back to uh, The Forbidden Castle, which is number 14, mm -hmm. which is a book we didn't necessarily enjoy. <laughs> Not so much. I mean, well, we didn't, we didn't hate it, obviously. Oh. We, um, we, we thought it was good. It was, yeah, it was we good. thought there was some flaws in the design of it mm -hmm. uh, because we, we talked about Michelle, who was a very interesting character, but it was very hard to get to her. Mm -hmm. um, so, but ever since then, we, we did that episode, I've been thinking about a particular ending Oh. And I wanted to share it with you okay. really quick. So I thought this would be a great way to kind of end our salute to Edward Packard. Yes. So this is uh, on page 118 of The Forbidden Castle. Um, so I'm not 100% sure how you get to here, but basically you and Michelle are, you know, you're trying to escape. This whole book is about trying to find The Forbidden Castle, which is kind of this um, ideal place that's safe. So this book is, we discuss, it's all about power and it's all about servitude. Mm -hmm. um, 
and kind of having your own power or being forced to give your power to other people. Boo. Exactly. So I, I just wanted to read this, this ending to you. It's, it's the last page of the book, which I thought was very interesting, that he ended the book uh, with this ending. So page 118. We can't stop now, you say. It will be dark soon. You hurry along the trail, slowing only to push the thorny branches aside. But darkness comes quickly in no man's forest. You strain to see each turn in the trail. Then suddenly it grows, lighter up ahead. A few quick steps and you yell for joy. Michelle, we made it! Ahead of you is a field of golden grain. On the hillside beyond is a stone cottage. Nearby, a peasant woman is hoeing a small garden. You and Michelle run toward her and she looks up from her work. Can you give us some food, Michelle says? We are lost and hungry. I would like to help you, but I am a poor serf, says the woman. I work for the lord of the manor. He is a cruel man. Look, there are two of his knights now. She points to two men riding straight toward you. Right now, you are too weary and hungry to resist. What can we do, Michelle asks. You look at her and manage to smile. We've been through a lot, and we've learned a lot. Someday, we shall escape, and we shall find the Forbidden Castle. Isn't that amazing? Like, I think that's just such a good ending for a kid's book. It's it's so it's dismal, but it's it's hopeful. I love endings where it's I am trying to convince you that a bad thing that's happening to us is good. Mm-hmm. I am trying to give you hope when there is no hope. Right. It's gloomy, but it's like, hey, hey, man. The sun will come out tomorrow. <laughs> I just, I think that's so well written. Because mm-hmm. we, uh, we don't think we talk about that enough because, because these books. Because I'm always trying to be goofy. Because <laughs> we are, this is a comedy podcast. Yeah. Or we, we try to be at least. And so these books aren't always necessarily set up the best, which is kind of detrimental to the writing a little bit because you're not invested in the characters as mm-hmm. much. You're not invested in the scenario because the focus is on making choices. Right. And the fact that he's still able to evoke that emotion with so few pages because you're devoting other pages to other branches. I, I think he's an incredible writer. I really do. Well, thanks for listening today, everybody. Um, yeah, let's just get to our, our regular housekeeping. So, if you like the show, make sure that you subscribe so you can stay on top of recent episodes and make sure that you like us and give us five stars on iTunes because it helps other people find the show. We mm-hmm. just got a really amazing review. Mm, yeah. Also, like like us in real life, you know, <laughs> that helps my feelings. We just got a really nice review from Insert Funny Name Here. Great name. Do you want to read it really quick? Oh, sure. Am I a better reader than you? I don't know. Library Kids Unite. I spent way too much time reading and rereading all the choose-your-own-adventure books as a kid, and librarians Peter and Abby are the perfect guides to help me relive all the wackiness that happened in them. If you choose to have a great time hanging with your new podcast friends, aww, (laughs) press play. If not, your story ends here. But press play. Isn't that nice? That's very cute. So, yeah, things like that, it just helps uh, helps other people find the show, but it just helps us. In life. <laughs> yeah. So it's fun. It's nice. Yeah, because, I mean, we're just doing this for fun. And, uh, yeah, so uh, yeah. Th- thank you for that. Please follow us on Instagram because we uh, post um, just 
memes from the books and yeah. photos from the books. I spend a lot of time meme harvesting. <laughs> I, in the hunter-gatherer mm-hmm. world, I am the meme gatherer. Plus, and also probably a hunter because I don't. I can't imagine you hunting. Oh no! With these arms, <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> uh, 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 uh. I couldn't hunt anything though. So yeah, we we our Abby posts a lot of fun stuff there. But I think we're also going to uh, uh, for that Zoom call. I think we're going to post some of the video Ooh. on there too. Ooh. You can email us at choose your own book club podcast at gmail dot com if you have any questions. Um, I think that about covers it. Also, thank you to Edward Packard for coming on the show. Oh, big um, This was a dream come true. Yeah, that was really cool and so nice and just super generous. And he was just like the cutest, cutest <laughs> ever. So adorable. I love him. Yeah, he's he is amazing. Yeah. Um, I think that about covers it. Our next book. We're kind of debating which we're going to do, if we're going to go back to choose your adventure book or if we're going to do something different for a little bit. Uh, otherwise, I think that about wraps it up. So, my name's Peter. I'm a librarian. My name's Abby. I am a wild card. And? And a librarian. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so, thanks for choosing us today, everybody. This has been Choose Your Own Book Club. <laughs>